By 2020, we'll have computers that are powerful enough to simulate the human brain, but we won't be f finished yet with reverse engineering the human brain and understanding its methods. Information technology grows exponentially. The power of computers, our understanding of the human brain, the spatial resolution of brain scanning, the number of bits we move around the internet. I mean, many different measures of information technology double every one year, every 11 months, 13 months, depending on what you're measuring. So in 25 years, these technologies will be a billion times more powerful than they are today. Uh, by 2029, and I've been quite consistent on this date, we will have completed the reverse engineering of the human brain. And that will provide us the software, algorithmic methods to simulate you know, all of the human brain's capabilities, including our emotional intelligence. And computers at that time will be far more powerful than the human brain. And we'll be able to create machines that really do have the subtlety and suppleness of human intelligence. And they'll combine that power with ways in which machines are already superior to us. You're listening to Canary Cry Radio. Now here are your hosts, Basil and Gons. Hey everybody, welcome to Canary Cry Radio. Thanks for tuning in this week. My name is Basil. And I'm Gons. This week we're going to talk about cybernetics and rat brain robots. Ooh. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's a big word what does that mean <laughs> yeah so i looked into cybernetics a little bit just to inform you guys about what it is and some of you guys probably know what it is but i for one had an idea of what it was but found out that it was a little bit more than i thought so anyway um, cybernetics, it was uh, first coined by a guy named Norbert Weiner, who was, um, who was like a science guy, and he basically defined it as the scientific study of control and communication in the animal and the machine. And uh, this was, I think, in the 1950s or late 40s when he coined this, and Basically, the goal for cybernetics is to understand and define the functions and processes of systems that have goals and that participate in circular or causal chains. So essentially, um, they look at action and then sensing and then comparison and then back to action, the cycle of systems that are working towards a desired goal. Right. So it's more about the study of systems rather than i mean this the second year cybernetics or cyber or anything you just automatically think computers that right. just that wasn't originally the case right yeah it was looking at machines and you know any any kind of animal so yeah cuz there could be biological cybernetics or right. something like that which isn't necessarily robot animals but it's studying the systems um in which they what perform yeah in which they function so yeah, so it, I, th I think with looking at a little bit of the history, we'll get a good idea of this. But um, just real briefly, um, so in the 1950s, uh, artificial intelligence sort of took center stage of all the grants and all the scientific research heading in that direction. And cybernetics was sort of put aside and um, some of the neural functions of the brain and stuff like that. That was kind of where they wanted to go, but it was sort of pushed over to the artificial intelligence people. And um, cybernetics was sort of assigned to this 
to looking at social sciences and therapy. So like actually looking at societal systems and mm. um, using the cybernetic theory as, as applied to the bigger social issues and sociology. Um, but then in the 1970s, cybernetics emerged um, mainly in the field of biology because as uh, biologists were starting to understand how, you know, the body and animals and just the, the cellular systems and yeah, things like that. Exactly. They started to realize or recognize that, Hey, you know, these cybernetic systems actually apply in the human body or animals or, you know, that as well. So, um, so yeah, the cybernetic theories basically, uh, go across many, many platforms. Um, today it's used in artificial intelligence, robotics, computer vision, control systems. Um, but I mean, there's, there's other stuff as well, like biology, computer science, engineering, management, mathematics, psychology, sociology, and even art. So it, it is something that is broader than just like, you know, right. Evil well, technology. Right. Exactly. Well, it's interesting. I think it's especially interesting when you do compare it with, um, technology or robotics and things, because cybernetics in itself uh, uh, deals with sensing um, you know an environment comparison with possibilities and then acting upon that so it's like it's this sort of algorithmic thing which uh, which kind of is the basis of artificial intelligence which is uh, what I'm getting from its early history right yeah exactly and, and most of it you know, is looking at, again, the desired goal and it's looking at how it learns. And, you know, if you think of it as an organizational thing, like if you apply the, the cybernetic theory to like an organization, it'll look at the same thing, the actions and then sensing sort of the environment and then the comparison and then back to action in that cycle. Um, and then try to, to uh, correct itself or, or implement different methods that can help attain, you know, more efficiency or more effectiveness uh, in the, in, in like a business structure or something or whatever. So, um, it's the same idea. And so, it, you know, in the artificial intelligence world, it's like, okay, what kind of, um, systems can we build that learns like, you know, on its own right. and improves itself. So that's yeah. kind of well, the, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting as, <laughs> cause when you think of for cybernetics, I mean, automatically my brain goes to the Borg in Star Trek and they're like these cyber people, like um, cyborgs, basically. Right. And and so you automatically think of like technology and robots and things like that. But actually, cybernetics in its, I don't know, most foundational sense is a pretty human characteristic, which is basically, you know, observing a habitat and acting on it and comparing results. Yeah, totally. It's almost it's almost just like the definition of the scientific method or something like that. Yeah, almost. Yeah, it's it's interesting how it's so, so broad. Right. So seeing it in in that more like human sense almost makes it a little bit more eerie to like sort of transfer that word over into robots and things like that. At least for me. Yeah. Well, speaking of robots, um... you know, robots. <laughs> we <laughs> now I don't know how new this thing is. So some of you might have seen it but they uh there's well i mean let's just call it a rat brain robot it's a little robot that is controlled um by proxy by a rat brain 
that was grown in a lab. And I say rat brain, and it wasn't a full rat brain. It's, it's you know, some rat brain cells that were cultured, you know, like in a Petri dish in a lab. And, you know, all the neurons sort of made connections with themselves. And so uh, essentially there's a rat brain sitting in a Petri dish. And what they did is they sort of attached um, sensors and electrodes and things to this little rat brain and gave it wireless access to this little robot. And there's a video of it, and we'll post the video in the show notes. So go take a look at that. But it's, I mean, if <laughs> it's like a cool little gadget. But when you think about it, what they've done is amazing. It's it's bizarre, and the implications are so. <laughs> the implications are huge. Right. I, I mean, mean, yeah, they used essentially a biological. Uh, sensory system and uh, externalized it in a machine where the sensors are acting upon the uh, environment from the machine standpoint and reacting and moving and, and whatnot. Right. And not only did they hook up a rat brain, they grew the rat brain themselves, number one, and then they used that synthetic rat brain or real rat brain, but that when they made and hooked it up it like an avatar or like a surrogate. I mean, we talk about surrogates and a lot when we s- start talking about transhumanism. But I mean, this little rat is basically the first being on. Well, maybe not the first, but is the being on the planet first of all to be. I mean, I don't know if this rat has consciousness or this rat brain has. I mean, that's another big question we'll talk about in a second. But anyways, they grew a brain put electrodes in it and this brain actually controls a robot with some semblance of intelligence. I mean, the thing walks around and the robot has echolocation and it is rolling around and it avoids walls and sort of moves around. So not only is this brain controlling the robot, but the robot is sending back signals that it gathers from echolocation and the rat brain is interpreting the echolocation signals and making choices what to do with that robot. I mean, it may be much simpler than I'm explaining it, but this is what I'm gathering from what's happening. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I, th- I think some of the implications are that Number one, we can grow rat brains. Um, <laughs> so, you know, why can't we grow, you know, human brains? And right. it's kind of an, uh, an interesting, um, shoot, hold on. Well, I'm, I'm going to mark this. I, Go ahead. Well, uh, I got to look for something. Okay. Well, I mean, you, you think about it and does this, it does, okay, you think about consciousness. Now, first of all, you know, they grew the rat brain. They, they may have started with some, you know, cells from a, another rat. Um, but does this brain have a consciousness? Does this rat know it's a rat? Does it know it's a robot? Does it know that what it, the signals that it's taking in um, are abnormal for a rat? 
I mean, it's, it's, there's just so many questions about what's actually going on. Because, right. um, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, it's, it, it's almost um, too much to think about. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, if you guys are in front of a computer, I want everybody to do this. If, um, if you're not, then you can just listen. But, uh, um, Basil, you go ahead and do this, too. Go to singularity.com slash charts this is fun a little instructional a little Pretty, little new uh, on on yeah charts wow this is like interactive podcast interactive podcast and um scroll down to on the left hand side where it says 70 exponential growth of computing so if you click on that you'll see a chart and on the y-axis you have calculations per second per thousand dollars and then on the x-axis, you have years starting from 1900 to 2100. And obviously, we're kind of in the middle there. And um, these plot points, uh, as they exponentially, uh, y- y- obviously, the, com- the calculations per second per thousand dollars has exponentially grown in the last, especially the last, um, you know, 20, 30 years. But there is um, some division upon um, or how they divide up the amount of calculations that happens. And okay, so hold on, just real quick. Okay, this this chart is showing. Um, basically, the chart is showing what year we will be attaining what level of robotic intelligence. Well, basically, the singularity. This we'll get into, and I'll explain the singularity. Well, let me let me just explain it real quick. Okay, the, the technological singularity is uh, essentially it's 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 kind of the stuff that you know Ray Kurzweil and Werner Vinge have really uh, made popular. It's this idea of um, it, it's like a hypothetical future um, where super intelligence will you know come upon the earth via technological means. So you know we don't really know what it's going to look like past the uh, singularity because essentially it's going to be an intellectual event horizon where knowledge is just so vast. It increases so quickly that we really can't predict what it's going to happen at that point. Um, that's why, you know, there's, there's different people coming out saying like, Oh, we need to merge with the machine so that the machines don't take over. And, you know, we have a terminator situation. Um, and that's, that's kind of nice. where the transhumanist uh, agenda really fits in. It's uh, nice of them to be concerned yeah, for us exactly. about that. Um, but, you know, the, this intellectual explosion, this super intelligence design is coming from our our minds. You know, we're creating this thing. So it's, it's very interesting. Um, but so essentially going back to the chart, um, what, what it's basically uh, showing this logarithmic plot um, we're basically at the point where we can understand and basically formulate an insect brain, like one insect uh, brain. We, we know the calculations per second, like we can figure it out. We have that capability. And the next phase, ironically, is the mouse brain. So I think this, this, uh, you know, this video is kind of that first step of going into that realm. And right. Well, it's it's interesting because the graph. I don't know when this graph was made, but the graph puts the mouse brain right about at 2010, 2012. Yeah, yeah. And then what's what's creepy is that the next uh, breakthrough is going to be one human brain, and you know we've heard Ray Kurzweil talk about. I think by the year 
2029 or something like that we 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 would uh be have reversed engineered the brain and you know whatnot and then you know at a certain point we're gonna have all human brains <laughs> we're gonna have the calculation speed you know machines will have the calculation speed of all human brains so combined yeah combined combined human rays so we'll have kind of like this hive mind thing and so that's nice yeah um so it's just kind of this strange idea. This, this is another step in the direction of this uh, utopian. I don't even know if it's utopian. This this uh, technological utopia, I guess, a dream to right. create this artificial intelligence um, that's going to have human biological enhancement. It's going to have brain computing interfaces. Right. Right. Well, yeah, that's exactly the thing is that not this rat brain robot is not an example of artificial. Well, okay. From my standpoint, this is not an example of artificial intelligence. Right. This is an example of brain machine interface. Right. You know, they have this rat brain controlling a surrogate robot. Now at this point, what's stopping them from hooking up? Well, nothing's stopping them. There's already things out that uh, can sense your uh, brain waves and brain signals and react on something. I saw a headset. I think we posted it on our um, Facebook uh, fan page. There, for all of those of you who are our friends, probably saw it. And those of you who are not our friends, you need to go check it out so you can know what I'm talking about. Is um, this little hat thing? that have brain sensors and these gamers are actually starting to use it because they can react with their brain playing a game faster than their thumbs can react right. on a controller. And so we already have, you know, this sort of infantile stages of brain to, uh, you know, computer interfaces. But now with this, I mean, this is a legitimate brain to surrogate interface. Now, it, in my mind, what is stopping that from occurring with human beings? I mean, there's a chance it's already happening because, heck, if it's on YouTube, I mean, it's probably been around for a while. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what I mean? I, I remember seeing um, a recent conference, and I think I know what you're talking about, where this, uh, and I, I might have blogged about it too, uh, this this couple, you know, they're at these stations at a, con at a big uh, conference type thing. And, um, so they have these hat things on and they're playing tug of war and, you know, you got the computer screen and the, you have these two sides and they're playing tug of war or whatever. And they're using their brains. They're not moving though. They're just sitting there <laughs> and they're, right. but they're, but they're battling, you know, and mm -hmm. it was really bizarre, you know, just looking at how from the external world, like looking at it, like, Oh, what are you guys doing? You guys are like zoning out. No, they're actually, you know, experiencing a right. game of tug of war, but you know, you really just in the brain. Right. Right. Well, that's an interesting thing. And when you start talking about this mechanical surrogate thing, um, I mean, studies have shown, science has shown that when you're watching something or you're imagining something or your brain is involved in um, concentrating on an activity and it, it doesn't matter if you're actually doing the activity your brain is feeling the same sort of um, stresses and uh, concentrations as if you were doing the 
activity. For instance, if you are playing a video game, I mean, anybody who's played any amount of time playing video games knows how stressed out your physical body can get <laughs> when you get too intense. You know, it, you, your physical body actually is taking a toll because of the stress it's experiencing from your brain being so engaged in intense situations. Now, if we start talking about um, uh, robotic surrogates, you know, I mean, uh, I know there's work being done to create autonomous robots for um, policing, but let's just say that, um, you know, we start making robotic surrogates for soldiers or astronauts or things like that. So now they're controlling a robot, essentially. Um, you know, they could even be over, they could be in America and their surrogate is over in Afghanistan or Iraq or whatever country we, des- country we decide to, you know, invade next. Um, they could be controlling it, but, you know, there's still that thing where their brain would be having the same sort of stresses, even though their body is not in any more mortal peril. Right. You know, so we're still talking about things like PTSD and like, you know, it's just, it becomes so complicated when you start disconnecting. Literally what you're doing is you're disconnecting the brain from, um, physical reality. Exactly. The physical reality of, you know, your God given body, which, I mean, there's so many ways to object to that in, you know, philosophical realms and I'm sure a few scientific realms. And, you know, there's definitely some spiritual implications as well, but it's just a very interesting time with very interesting, uh, I think, personal choices that we're going to be making. Yeah. And a couple of things, but one, um, I find it interesting that on this singularity.com slash charts website, the first uh, two charts there is countdown to sin. <laughs> Like, you know, short for singularity, but it's just, you know, ironic that it's counting down to sin, logarithmic and linear. But anyway, um, yeah, I think that as, as we, um, you know, become more and more interfaced with the machines, you're right. We're going to have to face some very interesting things and we're already being psychologically, uh, you know, influenced heavily by machines. I mean, I remember, you know, a few, this is a few years back, um, but I used to play a lot of uh, Grand Theft Auto at, at one point in my life. That and, one will get the, get the brain experience going. Yeah. And the thing is, the thing is, once you play like way too many hours of Grand Theft Auto, which I don't recommend anyone doing, but once you play like enough hours of it, you go out and like you start driving around and you just have this impulse. <laughs> it's really bizarre though. Cause you're, you're driving there. Like, you know, you see, you know, whatever, an old lady walking across the street or something. And you're like, Hey, you know, I can just run her over or, you know, or you walking down, you're walking down the street, you see a nice car. You're like, Hey, you know what? That car is probably unlocked. I can open the door and just kick that dude out and take the car. And, 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 you know, and I remember thinking like, wait a minute, that's not reality. Yeah. You know? And like, wow, I I just had that thought for real. Like that, that's creepy, you know? So, I I mean, it's, it's, it's embedded in our, in our you know society mostly and i think a lot of our kids do that too but well exactly know. yeah no and and that brings up a, a huge point which is the lack of physical um consequences for making a mental choice right now that's something that happens in video games and that's essentially something that ha- could happen in some sort of surrogate program i mean you have soldiers controlling robots they're going to be taking risks that they, no- they normally wouldn't take which 
I could see my hypothesis would be that once these soldiers, you know, disengage from their surrogate, they are more prone to making poor choices in their physical reality um, because of this conditioning that they would have gone through to the lack of physical consequences to choices that they make. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I think this actually does bring up a very interesting topic of conversation, which is, you know, is all technology bad? You know, is all technology evil? Because, you know, we, we've kind of shaded it as like, oh, you know, beware of technology. And the reality, yeah, we, the reality is um, none of you guys would be listening if you guys didn't have some kind of technological savvy. Uh, you know, if you're listening to this now, that means you at least know how to use the Internet and 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 at least, you know, how to figure out how to, you know, download a podcast or whatever. So there's a certain level of um, technology being used uh, even to record these podcasts and, and you know, put it on feeds and stuff like that. So um, what do you think, Basil? Do you think that right. all technology yeah. is evil? No, obviously not. And and even to limit the amount of technology and even to put categorize an evil and non-evil technology is it just to me it doesn't make sense it's kind of like the amish where the amish say you know we are shunning technology and modern life we want nothing to do with electricity and because technology you know is not from god i don't know the exact you know what words they use but that's that's the gist of the idea well i mean they're still using the wheel they're still using fire they're still using you know, saws and things. They use technology. Right. They've just chosen to not, you know, progress past a certain point. Um, so, and, and I don't see that any different from where we are now, where, you know, it, it, it's the level, it's not the level of technology that's bad. I mean, there's, there's people today who are using brain, well, maybe not brain, but body mechanical interfaces, such as, um, you know, pacemakers, obviously, and there's prosthetics and there's things like that, hearing aids. Um, I had a professor in college who had like an implanted hearing aid. And there's a guy, you know, his videos on YouTube, he's a filmmaker now, who lost an eyeball in a shooting accident. Right. And And he literally got a tiny camera eyeball put into the socket. Now, it's not connected to his brain, but... He, it wirelessly transmits the signal to monitors and things like that. So, I mean, he essentially has a cyborg eyeball. You look at him in the eye and it's this little robot thing in his eye socket. Um, so there's already these sort of things happening. And for the most part, they are for the, you know, improving somebody's life who has, you know, previously been less fortunate like somebody who loses a limb or an eyeball. And I think it's important to really look and see that, you know, investigate exactly where we should stand on things like this. I was in the bank the other day and the guy behind me in the bank was arguing with one of the tellers um, about, uh, you know, helping people who have lost arms and eyeballs and things. And the older gentleman was a Christian and he had the idea that, you know, we lost an arm or an eye because God wanted us to. And so we shouldn't be, you know, 
interfering with that. Right. We shouldn't, we shouldn't intervene on something that God supposedly has willed us. Right. And personally, I think that's hogwash. And uh, just for the mere sense that I believe that uh, our creativity and our resourcefulness and our um, ability to uh, create things is, is a God-given um, attribute and is, is reflective of the divine because we're made in God's image. So I think um, that that's fine. We're made, but yeah, go on. Well, no, you, you bring up an interesting point because, you know, we find in the Bible that there are positive uses of technology. Like for example, Noah's Ark. I mean, that, that was, for the time, it was kind of a technological feat to put together a, an arc the size of, you know, whatever. That may have been the greatest technological advancement up until that point. Uh, it, you know, if you're, if you're uh, ignoring the yeah, anti in technology that right. may have existed. But in any case, it was something that he created that had a purpose that was not you know, and, and again, the, the whole concept was that he was trusting God in the process. So it was something he constructed, you know, he's some, something he built with a purpose. And that's kind of what technology is on, you know, just the real foundational level. Um, and, and I think you're right that the part of the image of God in humans um, is the desire to create things. God created the universe. God created the world. He created us. And we bear the image of God, which means that we are going to have the same um, you know, desire to create and, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And so if we start applying this to um, uh, man machine interfaces, we, we, we really need to start breaking it down and, and figure out what is biblically prohibited and what is not and what we are sensationalizing as sin or what we are sensationalizing as, um, you know, we, we don't want to project ourselves onto God. So I think it's important to uh, take a deeper look at this because uh, a lot of times people will think that Gans and I um, are against technological progression, which I personally am not. Gans, I don't believe you are as well. It's not it's not about the progression of technology that, that is bad. And we'll, and we'll get a little bit more into this. So let's go to man machine interfaces. We have, um, you know, robotic legs coming out. We have things that are helping people, um, which I don't see any biblical issue with. Do you guns, do we know of anything that is telling us not to do that? Well, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's sort of a difficult thing to uh, divide because you know, I don't think there is a black and white like this technology is good, this technology is bad. Because obviously, let's take the internet for example. The internet is a you know a great tool. Um, it has enhanced my ability to understand the Word of God. So obviously, it can't be just like a purely evil thing. But at the same time, it has um, the potential to sin. You know, a lot. Right. So so it's kind of like this. Um, it, it it is what we do with it. I think that is the key to, uh, you know, if something is good or bad as far as technology goes, because well, here's an example. Okay. And again, it comes back to sort of the, the human heart, because if you look at Solomon, okay, he was kind of like, 
he was given wisdom. Okay. First Kings four, I think it says that, um, God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding, uh, it exceeded much and largeness of heart. Um, and, and he, he constructed these amazing palaces and stuff like that. And, you know, the worst part about it was the fact that he actually sort of, you know, got prideful with it, <laughs> you know? Um, so the achievements themselves were, were good. And in a sense, when Solomon was actually, you know, praising God for that, it's good. God gave us the knowledge. God gave us brains. We're supposed to use them. I don't think he gave us brains to just like be, you know, robots, uh, robotic or uh, just, you know, brain dead. Right. And so, yeah, it, it really comes down to how we respond to such technologies, I think. Right. And, and I'll just add real quick that the, the propensity to create new technologies and things like that is, is not, done out of um it's not done arbitrarily right it, it's done by a drive within a scientist or, or an inventor something there's a drive in there that is more than um than just uh, trying to take uh, over the world or something well more than just a mechanical i shall build this because it must be built right you know it's it's more than that they there's anybody who's creative person or um or just interested in 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 technology or anything like that in building things it, you know there's this inner drive and i believe that that is a divine drive um but now going back to the certain technologies uh, i mean uh, we were talking the other day guns about this sort of continuum right that that i think exists and uh, the two examples i was using was you know robot legs and then um we've been watching the uh, h plus uh youtube series right and i i think a couple of our listeners are watching it too and they that whole thing is based around an internet brain probe, a, a, a little thing put into your brain where you can access the internet in your brain and you can sort of interface it with this sort of holographic projection in your eyeball and such. And robotic legs, even if we're not talking about um, helping disabled people, okay, if everybody in the world suddenly had a chance to gain the robotic leg extensions or aids or something in itself. I don't believe that having these robotic legs available and taking advantage of them is against God. That's my personal belief. Um, unless obviously it's done in some sort of rebellion or if it's done in some sort of, um, I mean, again, the proverbial, uh, heart issue right okay so uh, we talk a lot about transhumanism and and what to think and you know making choices and things personally and if you disagree with me guns you are more than allowed to uh, say so but i personally don't think that if everybody had the chance to get robot legs that it would necessarily be a sin to get robot legs now, that being said, if we all had the chance to get a genetic mutation to give us kangaroo legs, I would think that that is against um, the law and God has done some 
pretty serious things when we get into the the genetic mutation of um, the human genome. Okay, so let's separate that. I'm talking specifically about mechanical additions or, yeah, that's additions to the human body. Okay, I see no evidence that robot legs would be bad. But now we move down the continuum and we talk about the brain probe for the internet into the brain. And we say, well, that's, that's a lot more invasive. That's a lot more of a serious thing. I mean, it's attached to your brain. It's a little bit more than just um, a, kind of an external improvement that helps you uh, get around your environment. Now we're talking about a probe that changes the way that your inner environment works, your brain environment right? Where you're collecting information and processing things. You can Google things just by thinking about them and, uh, and things like that. Now, again, and I may be going out on a limb with this one, but I do not think that the brain probe would be biblically unacceptable unless, you know, for instance, if it's the mark of the beast, if you're having to make some sort of spiritual, um, compromise you know if they say if it is obvious that this brain probe is the mark of the beast you know if they say you're not allowed to sell anything you're not allowed to buy anything and you need to pledge your allegiance to um this guy whose name is antichrist and and you say well i really want that brain probe so sure i'll go for it you know that would be a whole new issue but simply having the brain probe for just whatever, commercial reasons. Um, I don't necessarily think that in itself, again, would be going again any, against any biblical principles. But that being said, I think it is a terrible idea. <laughs> Just my personal, my personal addition to that would be, I think anything that you are injecting into your brain to connect you to anything is just a bad life choice in on an individual personal level because i mean as we've seen in the h plus series so many things can go wrong with that right and they try to you know make it seem like you know we can still make it work for good well that's great make it work for good i'll just i'll stick to looking at a computer to go on the internet right well i know i think you bring up some interesting points um i i I don't know if I fully agree with the, what you're saying about, you know, I hear your point of, you know, the a brain implant on its own merits is not against God or it's not evil per se. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's inherently just evil, but I will say that again, I agree with you that it's a bad idea, but I will say that it's leading to the the wrong place like it's it's really relying heavily on man's accomplishments and um you know it's going to cause my point is that anything that we do has a spiritual consequence anything that happens in the physical world has a spiritual uh tone it has a spiritual underpinning so no matter what i think even if it's you know uh used for good even if it's like hey i can you know access the entire bible in my brain uh you know in point 
0.001 second flat, you know, and, and you're, who knows, you know, I, I'm just picturing, you know, a future uh, church service where, you know, the pastor wirelessly feeds Bible verses to point out to everyone via brain Wi-Fi interface. Or right, something. I don't know. Right. I'm, just, I'm trying to think of like some sort of positive way that this can possibly work. Well, exactly. And I mean, that's just the thing with technology is that I believe that it can all be used for good. Right. Well, obviously, yes. And I think, I think the, the problem though, is that the spirit behind this sort of thing in general is, is a, a road that leads to a bad place. I mean, you've heard, you know, you've heard the phrase, you know, good, uh, what is it? Uh, the road to hell is paved by good intentions or something like that. Right. So, right, so right. it's this idea of like, yeah, in itself, it might be a good step towards the right direction of helping humanity and all this stuff, but it, it tends to be leading to, um, something that is not good for humanity is against God's will. And it's, you know, because, uh, okay, let's go back to the singular singularity for a second. The, foundation or the, um, I guess the ultimate goal of the technological singularity and why transhumanism is being promoted is because to, uh, and I think Rob Skiba talked about this, uh, in, in reference to, uh, Michio Kaku and his quotes, but if you can't beat him, join him. And that mentality is right. the transhumanist movement. And that's why, um, you know, this, this whole thing is, I would rather just you know, stay away from it in general right. because the spirit that is promoting it, I think, is not in the right mind. It's going to appear as a good thing. It's going to appear as a positive advancement in technology and the human evolution and all this stuff. But I just, I just don't think, even if it, in the perfect world, it might be okay. Right, but, right. Well, well, I agree with you, and I, and I believe that this is a, a wonderful example of why you and I can co coexist in things like this is because I, 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 I totally agree. The spirit in which it is done is a huge component. And yes, I believe that um, a spirit can be passed down from the originator of the technology. Right. For instance, if a scientist or an inventor um, invents, invents something and his attitude is like, I'm doing this because this needs to happen and I am helping the human race evolve and, um, and I am, you know, playing God and look what I have created. This is better than what God created. And everybody should get one of these. And 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 by that, um, by extension, if accepting this technology into your body is an affirmation of what this uh, scientist believes or inventor believes, then yes, I I totally see spiritual consequences to that. Um, well, yeah, it's it's kind of like um, you know, in Daniel. Four, if you go to specifically Daniel four thirty through thirty two, it talks about you know King Nebuchadnezzar taking pride in the city of Babylon because he built it, mm -hmm. and you know in reality he probably didn't put a single brick in the wall. You know what I mean? Right. And he was just you know look what I accomplished. You know this pride, this uh, uh, arrogance to the establish establishment of his you know palace or whatever, the whole city of Babylon actually, and really. Ultimately, God should be given the glory. And I think that's the key, I think, to all of this and, and just the confusion and everything is that 
ever since, you know, I guess the last, I mean, it's been going on longer, but I think in the last century, uh, ever since, you know, Nietzsche, Nietzsche said, you know, God is dead and all this stuff, the spirit behind the advancement of science went from um, really a foundation that started with Newton and, and some of these other guys, which was, hey, we're going to discover creation. We're going to, we're going to, um, try to understand God and we're going to try to understand his creation because we right. have been given minds to be able to understand it. And it's, uh, you know, it's just part of the biblical foundation that was there. Well, that's not there anymore. You know, the, right. the foundation isn't there and now it's all about us. It's all about how right. smart we are and how we're able to accomplish all this. And it's the, the element of pride. Um, right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that I love. I, am romantically in love with the idea of discovering God's creation and learning how it works. And because it will undoubtedly, invariably blow your mind every single time. I mean, I, I, I enjoy uh, uh, studying things like quantum physics and things like that. And the complications that God has built into just the very existence of existence, the existence of things existing is just so mind-blowing and to me brings me to a place of awe and splendor and wonder of our creator. Right. Now, during this process of, you know, the, 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 the past decades where quantum physics has been exploding, there have literally been men who, quote, say, you know, we've found this great thing. We've found this, we've discovered this mystery of the universe. Therefore, God does not exist. And it's just heartbreaking to me because number one, no, it doesn't. There's, it just logically does not lead to that. And it shows a heart condition of, a, a spiritual heart condition of just pure rebellion. They're no longer doing this to discover, you know, the wonders and, you know, splendor of the creator. Now they're doing it to disprove him. Which is which, the biggest ironic I irony. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense. And it it's embarrassing as somebody who loves science to have these guys doing that. I mean, it's like, oh, it's like Hawkins's argument um, where uh, he, he came out a while ago and he says, I have proved that God doesn't exist. Right. He says that and he comes out on television right. and everybody's like, "Whoa, okay, let's hear it. This, I mean, obvious. Okay. Uh, a disclaimer. I understand why the guy would be bitter at God. Okay. You just got to look at it and you just, I get it. Okay. I don't blame him for that. It's a normal human condition that I'm sure a lot of other people would blame God to be in his condition. But he comes out and he says, I've disproven God by this logical step that, that a chimpanzee has figured out. Um, <laughs> and he says, he says, it's all about causality. He says, the Big Bang didn't have a cause. The Big Bang is the cause therefore because the big bang has no cause there is no god what <laughs> you know what i mean yeah and it, well yeah yeah exactly it's like uh, well just just on the philosophical side of things it's 
it, it's not even logically coherent in the form of an argument. Exactly. It, <laughs> there is no study of human academics that could realize that as a truth. But since he's this little g god among scientists, you know, it's it's taken with such high esteem, and it was just very sad to hear. But that's the sort of attitude towards science nowadays. Yeah, it's huge divergence from where it originally came from, in my belief. Yeah, and I totally agree with you that um, the biggest thing to me is the irony. It's it's the irony that these scientists are, you know, essentially digging through creation, digging through God's creation to disprove God. And it's, it's, I don't know, it's such a pointless act almost. And it's like, Hey, in the process, what's funny is they're discovering amazing things. And those of us, those of us with eyes to see are like, wow, you know, God's creation is awesome. Um, But then they're sitting there and saying, Oh, therefore there's no God. And, uh, and I think I think going back to this whole idea of you know the technological advancement and all this stuff that we sort of jumped into, um, it, it's it's this concept that they uh, they just presuppose that there's no limits to human ability, and mm-hmm. I, I think the human ability is quite vast. I think God gave us some remarkable abilities to accomplish many many things, and the difference is where you put the credit, you know, do you put the credit in God's hands or do you put the credit in your man's own hands? Right. And obviously with Genesis 11, when they talk about, you know, when Nimrod built the tower of Babel, uh, you know, it says that there's no limits to what they can do. And that's why God came down and was like, "Uh -uh, that's not going to happen, you know? So there's that, there's that level of like, okay, there's, there's, um, you know, glorifying God in all the process. And there is saying that humans are, infinite creatures. And that's where I think this whole idea of any kind of technological advancement has the, uh, like the two sides of a coin type thing, you know, where it's like one side is, one side is, uh, is, is good. And for those of us who understand how to properly handle the the information or the knowledge or whatever, um, you know, more power to us, but on the flip side, it can, you know, it causes to have more potential for evil, you know? Right. Right. Oh, continue. No, no, that's just pretty much what I was going to say. Yeah. Well, and I was just, that brings me to a point I wanted to make as well, which was we can hear of a new scientific discovery and there'll be those who are saying, man, humans are so great. Good job, us. And there, there are those of us who are saying, uh, and I would hope that a lot of our listeners are like this, would say, wow, that's a really great thing that God did that we just found out. Right. You know? But then there are those Christians, and like I said, there are um, scientists who uh, embarrass me. There are also some Christians who are very embarrassing in this way, which is... Um, almost like reacting to science in the way that the Catholic Church reacted to discoveries of uh, Newton, which or is even, or even glasses. I think they were like, "No, we cannot have people wearing glasses." Right, or- exactly. And I've talked to people about some things in in science and quantum, quantum physics and things, and they say, and it's they sort of instead of going, "Wow, God is great," is 
amazing. That's how could anybody even conceive that to work that way? Instead of taking that information and directing it towards God, they are saying, well, well, I don't know, those scientists, and uh, I don't really pay attention to any of that because, uh, you know, no, no, no. And, uh, you know, science is bad. And it's just, I, I akin to it, and this is just partially because of my personal, uh, you know, love of discovering God's creation. When people do that, it's akin to um, denying. Right. It's like saying, God, yeah, it's like work. saying, God, you're, you're, uh, you know, your creation isn't cool enough for me. Exactly. Or I don't believe that your creation like works that way. You know, it's almost like, or I don't care. Even the fact of saying, I don't care about science to me says, you know, is kind of like telling God, like, this is a great thing. Thank you for this gift. I don't really care about how it works or anything, or I don't care about your mastery that went into creating it. But so I'll just ignore that and leave that to the heathens. But you know, and, and it just doesn't make sense to me personally. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, you, we have to just be careful of um, how we express um, some of these ideas. And, and that's why we kind of wanted to do this show because you know, inevitably people are going to be like, you know, someone can see us with a cell phone or something or an iPhone and they're like, oh, you're such a hypocrite because you're against technology and look at you, you have an, an iPhone. Or, you know, uh, or on the internet with our iPhones with captions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, again, it's, it's, it's one of those things where we want to just extend the conversation as well, because I know a lot of, uh, a lot of you listeners have a lot of great thoughts. And I think, um, you know, you may disagree with us on certain points. You may agree with us completely. And certainly, um, I wouldn't expect everyone to agree with everything we say uh, ever. <laughs> it's probably a problem <laughs> if you do, um, especially after uh, our Mars episode. Um, but, you know, it, it is an interesting conversation and it is important to stay aware of these things because, you know, we are going to come face to face with some of these things. And, uh, you know, we've mentioned it several times in, in past podcasts where we've talked about sort of a, a technological revolution, but uh, we, we are in an age where things are progressing so quickly. Uh, it reminds me of um, Daniel 12, 4, which is interesting, but uh, it talks about um, uh, how many shall run to and fro and now and knowledge shall increase. Now, you know, I've heard people you know, show a chart of like, oh, knowledge uh, has increased exponentially in the last half century. You know, most of the uh, human history has been riding horses and carriages and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, boom, cars, airplanes. Um, yeah, in the past hundred years, things have been... Yeah, it's just been accelerating like crazy. And, but, but you know, and they used like the many shall run to and fro as like, oh, we have airplanes now. Now we can go to and fro anywhere in cars and blah, blah, blah. And I'm starting to think like, Maybe it was even more than that. Like maybe running to and fro was not just on the earth, but like, you know, like we kind of talking about earlier about surrogates and, and cyber worlds. And uh, right. <laughs> cause if you think about, okay, like if you, if there was a physical experience to actually surfing the net, right. We use that term surfing 
the internet because we're kind of just going with the flow, right? We're, we're kind of moving through different portals and outlets and, um, various, you know, this, uh, web of, and it's called the web because of that, you know, these different areas that we go into, if we were physically moving from place to place, I mean, we would be all over the place, you right. know, we jump to, you know, Germany and then we'd go right. to a website in New York and you know what and- I mean? In the sense of all these, uh, where the servers are located, even right, right. You you almost are physically sending your consciousness to a server in Switzerland, a server in New York. Right, exactly. Um, so, you know, and, and the knowledge will increase. Now, I've heard people say, you know, that's talking about Bible knowledge. Well, yeah, I think this applies too. I think both. Uh, I think with all these technological advancements and stuff. You know, the Bible says there's no excuse because of, you know, the creation of God is what it is. And so you, we have no excuse of like not believing in God, basically. Mm-hmm. And the more we discover, I think the more, the less excuse we have, really. And uh, again, the irony is that some of those scientists will say, therefore, there's no God. But I think as knowledge increases, we are also going to be faced with some very difficult decisions for not just us, but our children. Um, you know, we're, we're sitting here... Um, in a time where everything's on a screen, you know, I've heard the next generation is called generation screen because everything is going to be on a screen. Literally, uh, you know, our books are, um, you know, the way we communicate, uh, our art, our, yeah, everything is going to be on a screen. And again, not saying that it's all evil or bad or negative or anything like that. It's probably bad for your eyeballs. Probably. But you know, eventually the screen is going to be in your eyeball. So it's not really that big of a deal. So, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's kind of like this, um, this, this, uh, where's the, the line? Where do we draw the line? Like, you know, are you going to let your child who everyone, Hey dad, everyone has eyeball implants and, and everyone has the uh, internet HUD technology that they can see and blah, blah, blah. What are you going to do worse yet? And I think this is where, I mean, I would put my foot down, especially if it was like, Hey, in order to be a part of this university or, you know, be a part of this organization, you have to, you know, right. basically get a chip or whatever, because that, right. that's starting to lean into uh, a, a distinct and clear manifestation of, I think what, um, is leading up to the mark of the beast. So, right. Well, and as well as, um, just aiding with the lockdown, the government lockdown, which is another thing we talk about in the one world government. I just read an article about how a private high school issued, um, personal laptops to all the kids. Oh yeah. That's been going on for, for a while. Right. Well, the turns out that the high school was using the webcams on on the computers to spy on kids at home. Oh wow. Right? And so yeah, it's it's buying into an institution, there's always fine print. Yeah, well that that's actually kind of creepy. I haven't heard that story, but um and that's the thing. Even if the intentions are good, the the act itself starts to border on big brother, you know? Right. Well, it, it opens yourself up to whoever's providing it. Right. Even I'm, I, there's still a part of me that is uncomfortable with my cell phone because just owning the cell phone, everything I do on it 
is recorded. Everything, everywhere I go with the cell phone is trackable. Right. Everything I do on the cell phone is trackable. The camera on my cell phone, the microphone on my cell phone can be activated without even me knowing it. And since I can't take the battery out of my cell phone, it's always available to whoever wants to use it. Right. Well, yeah, that's, and you know, just interestingly, uh, as sort of a side note, we, um, the place where we work, <laughs> uh, we discovered some cameras in there, which was kind of eerie because, you know, we weren't told that there's going to be cameras in there. So, and I know there wasn't cameras before. Right. So, uh, it, you know, and I understand the reasons why they did that, but there's a certain element of like, you know, it's it, just weird. It's just it's weird. Just... The fact that they, you know, we're not told. And, and again, there's so many things that we're not told that, you know, like, um, for example, like if you're going on a toll road or if you're at a stoplight or something, they got cameras there. You know, they can, okay, if they can see the face of a nickel from outer space. Right. We we don't have the kind of privacy that we thought we did anymore. Right. And, I, yeah. I, I just heard the statistic that there's a, a public surveillance camera for every 10 people in the United States. Right. And that's just incredible. Uh, there's also things called B packs that uh, any civilian can buy, um, which can read the the blood, um, read your iris right from sixty feet away. And it's just amazing things are available to everybody now. I just heard of a of a sheriff's department. It, you know, of course they couldn't afford a drone, but the sheriff's apartment, uh, department, not his apartment, <laughs> <laughs> the department, um, hired a guy every single day to fly a Cessna over the town with, uh, this little camera thing. And every day this plane flies around the town and films and looks for, you know, crime, and things, but this, this sort of thing is just everywhere now. Right. Well, yeah, I think it's, it's kind of the natural progression. Um, and to me, and I know for you, and I know for a lot of our listeners, it's, it's just a, a validation of the truth in the scriptures and the truth of prophecy. Um, how would people know thousands of years ago this was going to happen at this level? And uh, it's just very strange that we had foreshadowing of this in, in books like 1984 and, and Brave New World and obviously stuff like that. But And it's always been sort of a concept talked about. But it's it's happening right under our noses to some level and then like in front of our face at another level. And, right. and both both are going almost unchecked. You know, it's just sort of happening and no one's really, there's people speaking out against it, but no amount of speaking out against it is going to do anything to really change it, you know? Right. And I mean, it's happening so slowly that we're basically frogs in a, in a kettle. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think with, with all of this discussion, um, you know, we're, we're going to become obviously targeted in some way. And not, I'm not talking about you and me. I'm talking about just people in general are right. going to become targets. Uh, anyone who speaks out against um, this sort of advancement uh, is going to become, you know, we're going to be labeled terrorists or we're going to be labeled, um, you know, threats to national security or whatever, whatever 
they want to use right. to justify this system. Uh, right. So it's it's really alarming in, on many many fronts. Yeah, absolutely. And just a quick thing, you, when you mentioned terrorists, it reminded me of this. I just read something about how the Boy Scouts have a little subdivision. Um, what is it called? It's like the Explorers or something. But they're basically training young boys to be in the art of tactical assault um, with airsoft guns and everything to be law enforcers. Uh, wow. Such as Border Patrol or something like that. They, I read about these exercises that they would do where, I mean, it's basically like you see on TV where these 14 to 16 year old boys are in tactical gear busting into a, you know, a house and they set off like smoke grenades and stuff. And they go in there with a target to kill like a terrorist or something, which I mean, it, it well, yeah. Who can shoot back at a 14 year old kid? Right. Well, I mean, it's just creepy. I mean, it's, I, I get it that they're trying to get people interested in law enforcement and, and, but I mean like, but, yeah, it sounds a lot like uh, some of the, the tactics they use over in, in, in the middle East where they right. indoctrinate well, kids. Into- exactly. It's, it's child soldiers. I mean, you, you give a kid a gun and teach him how to do tactical maneuvers. I mean, a, a gun, uh, guns and, and violence and things like that can be orgasmic to a kid like that. You yeah, know? Yeah. Totally. It's just, it's okay. Anyways, that was <laughs> off topic, but it that, okay. dis, that disturbed me to say the least. <laughs> well, yeah, it sounds a little disturbing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think to wrap up this conversation, I think it's important for all of us to be good stewards. Uh, I think we should, we shouldn't avoid technology. We should definitely support our use of technology to a certain extent. Uh, uh, excuse me. Um, and, you know, because they are designed sort of to benefit us, at least for now. And so use it, use it to benefit yourself, benefit others, and ultimately to glorify God. And I think a really great verse to kind of go off of is 1 Corinthians ten thirty one, um, where, you know, it says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, whatever you do. Okay. So this, this applies to us and technology do it all for the glory of God. And I think that absolutely summarizes how we should be using technology in general. Um, And yeah, I think that's a good way to wrap it up because uh, um, you know, we can go on and on about this and you know, it's, it's going to, it's going to affect us. Um, Oh, just one real quick thing. I was talking to someone uh, in the church the other day about, and and I brought up transhumanism and I said, you know, I'm really appalled that the church doesn't talk about it. And their response was like, I wouldn't use the word appalled when you try to bring these topics up because it just makes you sound like a crazy conspiracy theorist. (laughs) (laughs) I said, oh, okay. Um, I'm alarmed. (laughs) Yeah. No, the great thing I love about that is, is not the fact that they're not talking about transhumanism. That make that makes you a conspiracy, crazy conspiracy theorist. The language you use right. to it's to communicate that idea makes you sound like a crazy conspiracy. Right. It, it's so the uh, the corporate sort of standard, right? It's like the right. golden rule of the corporate world: like use the proper words, otherwise yeah, you're going to get the wrong exactly. impression. Blah choose blah blah. Your words wisely. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go, everybody. Thanks for tuning in again to Canary Cry Radio. Uh, check in again next week. Have a good one. Think outside the cage. Bust out of the cage.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. The show notes for this episode and many others are available at canarycryradio.com. Make sure to connect and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash canarycryradio. Follow us on Twitter at canarycryradio. If you would like to share the show in video format, you can find us on YouTube by searching Canary Cry Radio. Review us on iTunes with five stars and give us a thumbs up on stumbleupon.com. We would like to thank those of you who have given us your support, prayers, and donations. If you would like to join us and support Canary Cry Radio financially, you could do so by visiting canarycryradio.com and clicking the support tab. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, remember to think outside the cage.